My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my podcast. This week should be one of celebration for me as I just had a birthday. But for one thing, I'm in the stage of my life where you don't really celebrate the passage of time as no matter how well you've taken care of yourself, and I haven't, your body is in decline. But for another thing, my born day will now be the day that we all recall losing Stan Lee. It could be worse, at least Prince didn't die on my birthday, but in the larger scheme of things, Stan the Man has been much more personally influential. Stan Lee was probably one of the first print names that I became familiar with outside of the names I was indoctrinated with in school or in church. So my older cousin was a big comic book fan. And I was a big fan of my older cousin, so I also became a big comic book fan. Uh, he read Conan the Barbarian and the Savage Sword of Conan, which were they were things I couldn't read. It's much too young for that. But he had some Spider-Man uh, and some other random books. And he brought me on. So my childhood was the era of Christopher Reeve as Superman, so Superman had my imagination. But because of my cousin, Marvel had my money. In the era of Marvel in which I started reading, Stan was the publisher, and the comic representation of his face was all over the internal media and ads and Marvel comics. I first remember hearing his voice as the narrator of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Stan was all pep and promo. The guy was a salesman to the bone, but I don't know if the product was Marvel or if the product was Stan Lee. As he did such a fantastic job promoting both, I don't think it matters. I didn't really read a Stan Lee story for many years after I'd started collecting comics, but when I did, they were already retro. More soap opera than action drama. It's funny, because while I found his Silver Age stuff to be more of a curiosity than anything else, by the time I was high school age, squarely in the time of the grim, dark reimaginings and rampant, artistically bankrupt commercialism of the industry, my favorite creative team was Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. So these guys were consciously doing an homage to Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. Uh, simple, clean lines in the art and simple, clean lines in the storytelling. So they did story arcs, but at the time, when narrative decompression could make a single conversation run 22 pages, these guys were making sure that every issue could be read as an enjoyable single story unto itself. They were keeping scene transitions snappy, and they were doing their best to appeal to a broader audience with relatably human characters, as opposed to specifically trying to appeal to the nihilistic, disaffected teen market and the investors who were betting so heavily on the nihilistic, disaffected teen market. The Silver Age style that they were presenting made me go back and read more Silver Age stuff, more Stan Lee. Now, I'd read some of the stuff before, but I was always more of a Jack Kirby man, uh, Jack was Stan's unsung collaborator on most of the Silver Age comics that birthed the Marvel Age. Not just Jack, of course, there was Steve Ditko and Bill Everett, but I liked Kirby's larger-than-reality cosmic ideas over Lee's investment in presenting the humanity of his characters. But both had their place in my headspace, and both were influential in how I thought about approaching comic book characters. And yes, I know that they were a Silver Age team, but my assumption is that, as Marvel introduced more books, and as Stan was plotting more of those books, Kirby was the father of some of the larger and more out-there ideas in the books on which he was working. So I haven't verified this, but I imagine 
that uh, stuff like the Radical Cube, the Negative Zone, maybe even Galactus was mostly Kirby. A big picture doesn't matter because no one would have been there to see it without Stan engaging the readers on the letter pages and with the Marvel's no prizes and fan club promotions for the MMMS, the Merry Marvel Marching Society, and Foom, the Friends of Old Marvel. Stan elevated comic book fans from consumers and made them a community. And as time passed and the artifice fell away, the community remained as a generationally self-perpetuating entity. Stan engaged other forms of media for the company that he was now the publisher for, growing comic book fans over generations to the point that the people who loved the product, people who loved the community, and people who loved the legacy became the power players who could invest money and time into lovingly presenting a worldwide media franchise in a way that stays true to Stan's original idea of sharing fantastic circumstances populated by relatably human characters. And a larger than life, Stan Lee. So when Stan's wife of 69 years, Joan Lee, passed this year, we knew it would only be a matter of time, because that's how it goes with folks who have coexisted for a lifetime. Stan was already 95, having had more experiences than any dozen other people. It still hurts. I wasn't there when Walt Disney passed, but I do remember Jim Henson's passing, and it feels like that. I appreciate you, Stan Lee. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and Excelsior.